0: Dave how are you today
1: I am great Peggy how are you doing
0: I'm doing well we are recording this a little bit earlier than we normally do but it will drop at the same time so because you were in Iceland this week
1: I am I'm a little sleep deprived right now so (laughs) people please excuse me if I'm rambling incoherently in about 15 minutes that's why
0: so not our normal podcast rambling right you actually have a reason this time (laughs)
1: I, um, yes.
0: So we actually
1: <laughs> see. Have... I can't even. I can't even respond in a witty way to that. Yeah, no, I got yes, you. That's correct.
0: We have an important <laughs> podcast today. Um, it's a. It's deals with insurance, but it deals with um, exchange enrollments. Um, if you were on social media or you're big into reading papers and things, you know that a lot of the funds that had previously been allocated to inform people about open enrollment time have been reallocated to other uses. So we, we want to do our part to make sure that people know that open enrollment starts on November 1st and how that process works because really the system is now relying upon grassroots to get the word out.
1: Yes, that is 100% correct. Um, we'll talk through some of the uh, some of the activity of the current administration, that uh, much of which broke really in the last few days. We referenced this in our weekly newsletter last Friday, Peggy, um, saying you know here 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 are the decisions that have come down. Actually, only only a few of the decisions, and then there was there was more that, that broke. Um, I think right after we wrote that, but. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of moving parts here when it comes to the insurance exchanges. So in this podcast, we're going to explain what the exchanges are, what the plans on the insurance exchanges cover, and then talk about how you can enroll. And um, after we're done with that, we will also cover the implications of some of these executive orders that people may have heard about over the last three to four days.
0: Right. So let's dive in. Yes.
1: Yes. All right. Fire away.
0: All right. So exchanges, uh, we're referring to insurance exchanges that were created by the Affordable Care Act, ACA, um, also known um, as Obamacare. Um, It's actually an old concept. The old concept of insurance exchange were actually, ironically, first proposed by Republicans in the early 1970s. Uh, They offer insurance to individuals who either can't secure insurance through their employer, or they make to, and or they make too much money to qualify for Medicaid. So we're dealing with people who the the exchanges are really geared at people who are not getting insurance through their employer or through any other kind of government program. Um, what they That's cover, right. all exchange plans have to cover essential health benefits. Um, and in 2017, all 50 states list prosthetics as essential health benefits. That's been a huge, um, a huge rallying point for AMPD to maintain the essential health benefits. We've talked about it a lot. At this time, all exchange plans have to cover prosthetics, and no exchange plan can discriminate based upon pre-existing conditions. So in other words, the premiums that somebody with high medical needs are going to pay for a plan are going to be the same as somebody else. Everybody kind of goes in at the same level depending on what, what plan you buy into. And insurers cannot enforce a waiting period before covering pre-existing conditions on the exchange.
1: Yep. And this is really what makes insurance insurance. It's It's having a broad enough pool of applicants for the policies so that you can not have to exert pre-existing condition exclusions against people with particular types of health conditions. Um, This was one of the key changes that the Affordable Care Act created. It was by compelling people to get insurance, it broadened the risk pool sufficiently so that insurers could go and um, offer policies without pre-existing conditions. Now, one of the things that a lot of people have heard about Peggy over the last uh, few years is, well, the plans on the exchanges are more expensive than um, people thought they would be. Um, You hear a lot of talk about the need for these insurance subsidies, the government paying the insurance companies subsidies so that um, they could remain economically viable on these plans because the long and short of it is that um, I think when you look at the, the total pool that signed up for the plans on the exchange and, and because of the exchanges and the Medicaid expansion that the Affordable Care Act created, we now have ins- uninsured rates in the United States at a historic low, an all-time low. But the flip side of that is that the, the people who are on the exchange plans ended up being sicker than I think uh, the insurance companies initially projected they would be and the need for these subsidies, which we'll talk about in, in a few minutes, uh, therefore became really, really important for these insurance companies to continue to be able to offer the plans at the premiums they were offering them at. Um, so um, the the whole pre-existing condition concept tracks right back to how big the risk pool is. and um, only by having a risk pool that's broad enough can you have these types of protections in place. And this is why all of the health proposals by Republicans over the last six months have had a core problem, and that is they they, they because they're no longer mandating insurance coverage, they can't provide these same protections.
0: Exactly. Um, so back to the exchanges Uh Open Enrollment is running. It starts November 1st and it goes through December 15th. It's not a long window to get this done. There are four different ways that you can enroll into an exchange plan. Uh, and we have the links to these listed on our show notes and our website, ampedpod.com. We encourage you, if, if you are going to enroll in a plan, hop onto the website, we will link you directly to where you need to go. But there are four different ways, online, by phone, in person, or by mail. If you register online, go to healthcare.gov if you already have an account, you log in with the same pa- username and password that you used in previous years. If you don't remember it, obviously there's a Recover My account that you can go through all of those steps if you're like me and always forget your passwords. Um, there are some states that do not that have their own exchanges, California, Colorado, Connecticut, D.C., Indiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Michigan, Nevada, New York, Rhode Island, Utah, Vermont, and Washington. And again, we have those all listed on our show notes. And we have yeah, a- and Peggy,
1: I'm I'm sorry, Peggy, not Indiana, Idaho,
0: Idaho. I'm sorry.
1: That's okay.
0: Idaho. Yes, I I was on a roll there though, wasn't I?
1: <laughs> you were you. I I want to break in because it was so it was coming off your tongue so beautifully.
0: Yeah. Oh well. Um, so (laughs) I tried it's earlier than we normally do this. So,
1: yes, yes, it Uh, is. We
0: do have a, we do have a link to those individual States exchanges. Um, and we have the phone number, Dave, I don't think we should give a a lot of numbers and things in the podcast because that's people difficult for people, but we do have the phone number that you can call to register. It's open 24 seven with the exception of Thanksgiving day you can register in person, and we have a link to how to do that. It's important to know that if you are going to register by mail, that you still have to register online or use the call-in number to enroll. Um, so, and it, the website uh, healthcare.gov, uh, they they have announced that it will be going down for maintenance on Sunday nights. So plan accordingly. Um, you know, because you know, nobody wants to do this kind of stuff on Sunday after the kids go to bed before the work week. Right, Dave? I wouldn't. And
1: <laughs> I digress. Not, that's, not, that's not the most relaxing way to cap off a weekend. Um, so the, the next part of how to enroll, so now you know the four ways that you can do it. Um, but a logical question would be, well, what do I need? And good news, um, the healthcare.gov website does have a pretty comprehensive application checklist, and we link to that. In the podcast summary, so again, if you download the podcast summary at ampedpod.com, um, you'll see in our in our show notes, you can go right to uh, step one in how to enroll and you'll see healthcare.gov application checklist, click on it. Um, we won't go through all of these items in detail, but here's um, the, the general categories of information that you're going to need. You're going to need information about you and your household, home mailing home and mailing addresses for everyone applying for coverage, social security numbers for everyone on your application, information about any professional helping you with the application. There are organizations out there, um, all different types, um, but the the most well-known ones are called navigators. If you're using any of these organizations to help you fill out the application, you have to provide information about that. Um, You have to, um, if you're a lawfully present immigrant, you've got to have your immigrant document information, um, information about how you'll file your taxes employer and income information for everyone in your household, health coverage information if there's anyone in the household who already has coverage on a health insurance plan of any type, and uh, what's called an employer coverage tool. Um, So this this is a, um, the employer coverage tool is something you need to fill out if you already have someone um, who's eligible For employer coverage, you have to just simply say, here's the coverage that I'm eligible for, but I'm nevertheless uh, going for insurance on an exchange. This is probably a pretty small group of the overall population, but there are some people who have employer plans who can still opt on to exchanges.
0: All right. Um, And again, we have lists to all of that in our show notes to take you to the website where you can get everything that you need. Um, Step two is to calculate your estimated income for 2018. Your estimated income affects your eligibility for insurance subsidies. Uh, Some specifics is you do not include Social Security disability income in the calculation. You do count income from spouse and all dependents that you list on your federal tax return and that includes dependents who do not need health coverage themselves. If they go on your tax return, they have to be included. Uh, you do count unemployment compensation, alimony, interest income, capital gains, and any cash supports.
1: That is right.
0: All right. And then, do you want me to take step three?
1: No, I'll jump in on this one. So, step three is now you you know you've you've figured out which mechanism you're going to use. To submit your application, you've gone through the checklist, Um, you've calculated your estimated income, and now uh, what you're going to do is you're going to consider your options. And it's important to remember, all plans on the exchanges are still required to cover the same essential health benefits. So when you go on the exchange, you should not see um, and will not see variety in terms of what's actually covered. These plans all have to cover the same essential health benefits that they have historically been covering. Um, what you will see when you go on to these sites, whether it's healthcare.gov or you live in one of the sites, one of the states, excuse me, that has its own exchange website, you're going to see plans, uh, a range of plans available to you, and they range from what are called gold plans to bronze plans. And we've talked about this in a previous podcast, Peggy, where we're talking about insurance plan selection. Um, Gold plans have the highest premiums month to month, but they have the lowest out-of-pocket costs um, if you incur healthcare expenses. Bronze plans, on the other hand, have the lowest monthly premiums, but they have the highest out-of-pocket costs. So um, it's really a matter of finding the sweet spot between what you can afford on the monthly premium side and your total annual exposure at any given point in time for a claim. the, the easier way to think about this is a gold plan, you're going to pay more month to month, but if you can afford that, you're going to avoid as you know, the largest possible financial hit when a claim is filed from coming. Um, bronze is just the inverse of that. So you want to consider your specific needs when you do this analysis. If you got a new prosthesis just last year and you're otherwise healthy, you have no comorbidities, no other conditions that really um, should uh, crop up, And you want to sort of take that risk, a bronze plan may work for you. You may be okay going with a plan with lower monthly premiums because you're not expecting to have a major medical expense that is going to cause you to uh, have to pay all those higher out-of-pocket costs. That's the gamble. That you would go with. On the other hand, if your prosthesis is really old and it's going to be needing replacement, or if you have multiple uh, more complex medical conditions that you know are going to require treatment, uh, no matter what you do over the course of the year, then moving towards a silver gold plan, if you can afford it, is definitely the way to go. Because even though the monthly premiums are higher, your out-of-pocket costs ultimately are a bit lower. So um, you know, you're, you're you're essentially financing your healthcare a bit differently if you go with the silver and gold plan. And the last thing, Peggy, something we've always talked about, make sure you consult with your prosthetist before changing plans. You want to make sure that you don't unwittingly do something that if you've got a good productive relationship with your prosthetist, somehow screws up that relationship because, for example, the prosthetist is out of network in, in the exchange exactly. plan you select.
0: Um, So a little bit more information on how to enroll. If you are already enrolled in a plan and you do nothing, you will be automatically re-enrolled. You'll either be renewed in the same plan, or if that plan has changed, you will be put into one that's the most similar to what you had. Uh, But you really don't, don't just passively assume that this is your best thing to do. Really, this is your opportunity to be proactive and to make a choice. Even if your choice is to continue where you are, you want to make sure that you shop all of your different options and and make your decision for this year. And again, open enrollment starts November 1st and goes through December 15th.
1: All right, Peggy. And that brings us to what are the potential issues that we could see people running into over the next uh, few weeks as they start to enroll? And this is where the executive orders signed late last week really come into play. So um, there, were, there were a cluster of these signed on uh, Friday, Friday the 13th, ironically. And, yeah, and the I, I think the main... The main message from, uh, from most media, certainly media on the left, is this is going to really threaten the markets, destabilize both the exchanges specifically and the, the private insurance market arguably more generally. Um, and I think it's probably a little bit premature to say that that's true. Um, I, there are a few steps that have to happen before we really know the impact. But let's talk quickly, Peggy, about what the executive orders were, and we can just talk through, you know, what the implications are. So the first is that he, one of the executive orders he signed, said it would permit what are called short-term health plans, and a second executive order permitted association health plans. Um, I won't go into a ton of detail about these. Short-term health plans are policies that um, can run from anywhere from you know, a month to uh, 364 days, but they are shorter than the average policy term that you see in the general insurance market, which is a year. Um, And association health plans allow small businesses to group together and to uh, sort of pool into a group and buy policies as a collective or as an association. But that's less important, frankly, than sort of the mechanics of how both of these work, which is under the, under the executive order and the way these types of plans work, they don't have to offer essential health benefits. They're exempt from essential health benefits requirements. Um, and so this means that all of a sudden you can have plans that are a hell of a lot cheaper, but that also don't cover much of anything. They may cover only you know, uh, $10,000 or $15,000 a year just for hospitalizations and nothing else. And so you've got plans potentially that people may go out and buy. These are going to be for people who are in a financial crunch and are looking for health insurance. This is the plan they're probably going to gravitate towards uh, because the premiums are going to be much lower than exchange plans. But the problem is you're buying or you're, you're getting exactly what you're paying for, which is not very much. Um, so you may you may think you're going to have coverage uh, for uh, the, the, the surgery your kid's going to need that's not, you know, the result of a trauma or an accident or anything like that. And the, 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 the ultimate answer could be no, you're not covered for that. You only have coverage for a very finite set of issues. So um, that's the first issue with the executive orders. Do you want to take the subsidy payments ones?
0: Sure. Uh, and it ends subsidy payments to insurance companies. It's been all over the news since Friday. Um, as we alluded earlier in the podcast, insurers are depending upon subsidies to offset the lower premiums through the Affordable Care Act. Premiums on the exchanges are traditionally kept lower, even though the payout is higher because of the government subsidies to help keep those payments lower. Um when the subsidies go away, there's a fear that more insurers will re- withdraw from the exchanges as a result because they're not going to be able to afford to offer insurance with the requirements at the current rates and or people are going to see their premiums significantly increase um, as as we get closer to the subsidies being drawn away. And there's a lot of working parts to this um and we do have to see how it pans out, but that's that's what most people are predicting at this time.
1: Yeah, and in fact, just as an example, uh, last week, just before Trump signed the executive orders in California, which has its own exchange, um, the state increased, just across the board, increased premiums 12.5% for its gold and silver plans, because they said, you know what, if, if he signs an executive order um, ending these subsidy payments, the only way we're going to be able to keep insurance companies in the markets is by allowing them to charge more. And many insurance companies have proactively done this already. If you've, re- if you've followed the exchange debate for the last really six months, um, you've heard about prices rising. And, and what you're having now politically, this is now a political game where you've got Republicans, particularly President Trump, saying, see, premiums are too high. The exchanges are failing. And Democrats are saying the only reason that the premiums are increasing and um, this is you know, starting to price itself out of the reach of people is because you're sending signals and or taking actions that are uh, forcing insurance companies to hedge their bet because all you're doing is creating uncertainty and insurance companies hate uncertainty and they're always going to defend themselves in that situation. The bottom line on all of these executive orders is that... Um, Figuring out what their actual impact is, is going to take a little bit of time. Um, Certainly, they represent, I think, um, a a real issue for insurance companies and by extension to consumers. But how it plays out in reality is unknown. For example, the association and short-term health plans that I spoke about a few minutes ago, they're not even going to be live probably between now and year-end. There are some steps that Congress is going to have to take to allow that those types of plans to be sold. And so um, it's likely that during the open enrollment period for the insurance exchanges, these plans aren't going to be out there um, competing against them in the marketplace. Uh, but we do want people to be aware that they will exist, and it really is buyer beware. Um, they likely will not cover prosthetics. If they do cover prosthetics, they will not cover... It certainly won't cover the full range of prosthetics, I wouldn't think. Um, Another thing that, Peggy, you mentioned earlier was Trump also, this was a few weeks ago, cut a significant percentage of the budget for what are called navigators. Navigators are grassroots organizations that help people sign up for the exchanges. And these are organizations that um, have seen their budgets just slashed radically, and they help millions of people signed up last year and many of them I know when the when the cuts came across the work quote is just saying we don't even know what we're going to do now because there's no way for us to do effective outreach and to help people uh, given the funds available. So navigators are still out there but their um, ability to assist consumers looking to purchase health insurance may be much more constrained than it was. And lastly, You talked about um, website maintenance. This was also very controversial. The initial reports on this were, oh, this is proof that um, the Trump administration is trying to undermine the the sign-up period by, in the middle of it, doing website maintenance every Sunday night. Um, I think closer analysis actually revealed that this is something that happened last year as well, uh, before Trump was in office, so it appears just to be sort of standard operating procedure. But either way, if you're signing up don't do it Sunday night because you'll just get frustrated. Um, pick one of the other six days a week to go online and uh, get yourself in the queue.
0: Just know it going into it to, to avoid Sunday. I think that education is power and just know that Saturday night may work better than Sunday. Yep. All right. Some key takeaways. Uh, don't wait. Sign up earlier rather than later. You can sign up as early as November 1st. We really encourage you to not wait until the 15th of December to say, hey, I should probably start looking into this. Early is better. Open enrollment runs from November 1st through December 15th. Go early if you can. Uh, On our website, we have the application, the link to the application checklist do the work ahead of time it will make signing up a lot easier on the on the back end if you gather all of your information ahead of time and you need to estimate your 2018 income Uh, we have links on our show through our show notes on how to do that and uh, we encourage you to go to healthcare.gov or your state's website to enroll Um, and if you have any questions you can call the customer service number through healthcare.gov any day except for Thanksgiving.
1: That's it, Peggy. I mean, listen, the exchanges are a key part of, uh, you know, a really key element of how we got ourselves to a place where the uninsured rate is at a historic low. Um, It's never been lower in the history of the United States. And I can tell you as somebody who, you know, 15 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, was running my own prosthetic facility, the the risk of being uninsured and, and the plight of those people when they were um, without insurance was real. I mean, we had people come in and they did not have any insurance and there wasn't a lot we could do for them. And um, regardless, again, I mean, we, we always we, we actually didn't do it today, but we always caveat any discussion of this by by emphasizing we're not we're not trying to be pro Republican or pro Democrat. We're trying to be pro-amputees. So if you listen to this podcast and you said, ah, these are a bunch of left-leaning people and anything uh, that this administration does they're not going to like, our answer to that is actually no, we're not going to like anything that hurts amputees. Um, The executive orders, unfortunately, that President Trump has signed, there's just no way to look at them and objectively say, well, this it helps people with limb loss in the following two or three ways. It doesn't. um, Unless... Unless we see a rash of association and short-term health plans crop up that are much, much cheaper than any other insurance out there, and provide great prosthetic coverage, and those two things are inherently paradoxical. It's not going to happen. But unless that happened, we wouldn't be able to find the the silver lining here that maybe that maybe people uh, would love us to find and believe us. We would love to find the silver lining also. But um, you know, it is what it is, Peggy and exchange enrollment is really really one of the important um st- uh, one of the important legs of the stool that gets you to more people being insured and having policies that do provide adequate coverage for uh, health care generally for uh, medical devices more specifically and prostheses and other mobility devices um, and assistive devices for people with limb loss and limb difference, most specifically.
0: Absolutely. And if you need insurance and you need to use the exchanges, open enrollment again is November 1st through December 15th.
1: I think that covers it.
0: All right. Everybody well, you have a great week. And if there's any more breaking news, rest assured that we will return earlier rather than later.
1: Yes. I'm four hours ahead of everyone right now, so if it happens in the next few days, we'll be right on top of it, Peggy. I'll be delirious, but we'll have it. All right. (laughs) Have a good week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.